So two weeks ago was week three, and if you were here, Ben talked about um, the Sabbath, and uh, there's kind of one week left. But here's the thing, if there's one thing to take away from this series, if there's one thing I want you to take away from this series, it's this, that God establishes a relationship with a person before he tells them how to live. You got that? It's on the screens, hopefully. That God establishes a relationship with a person before he tells them how to live. If you've never heard that before, that's big. That that's changes things. God, God says, I'm not telling you how to live so that you can somehow earn my acceptance and my approval. If you have a relationship with me, I'm telling you how to live because you already have those things. If you're a Christ follower, you already are accepted and approved by me. If you're a Christ follower. So I'm not telling you how to live first and then Maybe once you get your act together, you can have a relationship with me. And it's the other way around. I'm telling you how to live because I love you and because more than anything, you are so, so, so valuable to me. So we started to look at these commandments about three or four weeks ago. And uh, if you remember, I mean, I, I don't know where you're at. Maybe you know these Ten Commandments better than I think you do. But we kind of said at the beginning of the series, probably, most likely, if I asked you to name all ten, most of you probably couldn't do it. And at the beginning, we tend to think about, um, we tend to just think that it's primarily a list of rules. We tend to think that it's primarily the, the popular things. We know somewhere in there is, well, you shouldn't murder, and you shouldn't lie, and you shouldn't steal. And maybe there's something about adultery. But that's kind of the biggest ones that we remember. But God actually says, I mean, the first whole, the first four, almost the first half, the first four commandments, basically God says, I want to be front and center in your life. I want to be front and center in your life. And so if you miss this, the first two, the very first commandment is have no other gods before me. Have no other gods before me. That's, n- that's number one. Commandment number two is very, very similar. God says, I don't want you to have any idols. Do not make for yourself an idol that you will worship. Why? Because I don't want you to worship, I don't want you to worship created things over the creator, which we're all very, very good at doing. But those two are very, very similar. No other gods but me, and then don't make for yourself any idols. Um, number three is uh, don't like misuse God's name. We, we really didn't talk about that one. That's huge. Do not misrepresent or misuse um, God's name. Don't exploit his name. And then two weeks ago, as I said, Ben talked about taking a day of Sabbath, a Sabbath day, taking a day off, a day of rest, so that we can remember how dependent on God that we are, that we don't have to rush and work and strive an entire week. God actually says, I want you to take a break. I want you to take a day of rest. Well, um, here's the deal. What happens in the rest of the Ten Commandments? This is the parts that we know, the last six, uh, or at least can somewhat remember. But after God says, I want to be the one and only God, and I don't want you to make any idols, and I don't want you to misuse or misrepresent my name, and I want you to take a day to remember me. After he talks about himself, he sort of turns this, this great big corner and spends the rest of the commandments telling us how to treat one another. And again, we know these commandments, but they're all about how we treat one another. He says, I want you to honor me, but then I really want you to honor your neighbor, which is all, anybody that's around you. It's not just when the Bible uses the word neighbor. It's not just talking about your next door neighbor. It's anybody that is around you at any given moment, even people that you don't think are valuable. You guys, you all have people right now in your life that you just think like, I won't talk to them. Maybe you have a past with that person. You see that person, you look the other way. They don't have value. Maybe you wouldn't go that far. That's kind of rude, but um, I want nothing to do with them. We all have people like that. And God says, everybody has value in my kingdom. Everybody has worth. 
And these last six commandments have to do with that. So um, here's the thing. Here's what the Ten Commandments do that no other law and early civilization did. This was monumental, you guys, for the Israelites when they received these at Mount Sinai. Here's why. Because all the surrounding nations, when I mean, they came out of Egypt, they hadn't even really like, turned the corner yet and gotten their land, uh, Israel. But all the surrounding nations had some crazy wicked practices, had some very evil kings, did some very, very evil stuff. I'll maybe mention that later on. But it was not good. And so the Ten Commandments, you guys, were monumental on just early civilization and how it worked. They elevated everybody's status in the community. The Ten Commandments basically said there's not going to be a king that has special rights. There's not going to be some kind of ruling upper class that gets to set the laws and the rules. There's not going to be a person who's above the law. Everybody in this community and in this nation is going to be accountable to God. And everybody has value. In that day and age, you guys, women did not have, have value. As a patriarchal society, women a lot of times were treated like slaves. But God puts them all on a level playing field. Children certainly didn't. Men, women, children, even slaves. It was so new and it was so radical. You guys, in that culture, maybe some of you have seen the movie 300. And uh, you know how the, some of those kings acted. The movie 300, I don't even know exactly when it took place. It was hundreds and hundreds of years, I believe, past when the Israelites were given the laws here at Mount Sinai. But if you've maybe seen that, I know it's like bloody and it's gory and it's violent. I don't even recommend it. I think I've seen parts of it. But there's like a king or a couple kings that are just crazy evil, just wicked dudes. It's the kind of society it was. And... Um, The king could make the laws, the king could change the laws, the king could ignore the laws if he wanted to, the king could kind of punish whoever he wanted to, to. and um, probably the more money you had, the more power you had, the more prestige you had, and God comes along and says, "Uh uh-uh, not here, not in my people, not in this nation, not in my economy. I'm going to level the playing field. Everybody is on equal footing. So that's why, you guys, these Ten Commandments, they saw them so differently than we see them today. And they were absolutely radical, and they were such a wonderful gift to God's people in that day and age. So it was radical and unheard of, and um, compared to some of the surrounding nations, you guys, the stories that I've read in my just research of kind of extra-biblical stuff, the surrounding nations did a lot of child sacrifice. I mean, their gods, whoever gods they believed in was not the God of the Bible, was like they would sacrifice their children. They would burn their children fully alive in fires or that kind of thing. It was like horrendous stuff. Wicked, wicked stuff. But so as I, as I said, kind of turning the corner here, at this point in the Ten Commandments, when we get here, God kind of shifts gears, and he says, I've told you to honor me. We've talked through kind of those first four things. So you start with honoring me, but now I want to talk about honoring others. So as we get to Commandment 5, who, who would God mention first? Now, maybe you remember talking about Commandment 5 slightly a couple months ago in the Fighter series, but... Um, you'd think he'd get to number five and he'd at least start with, like, the king, right? Or, or Moses. So we've talked about honoring me. Now number five, you need to honor Moses. He brought you out of uh, slavery. He's your chief commander. I, I talked to him. You need to honor Moses, right? Or at least, if not that, you'd think the governing authority. I mean, if, today's, we would think God would probably say, well, you need to honor the president and then the governing, the, the ruling authority, the, the police. No, no, who does he go to? Who makes the top ten? Yeah, mom and dad, right? Honor, this is what it says, Exodus 20, 12. You can turn there if you want. If you have a Bible, open it up to Exodus 20 and leave it there. Just do that. If you have the app on your phone and that's what you do, do that and stay there too. But 
Um, that's just where we're going to be. A lot of just short, little, these are not long verses. Exodus 20:12. this is number five, honor your father and mother. Like, what? Are they really that important? Yes. God says yes. In fact, this commandment is so important. We've mentioned this before, that this is the only commandment, and you've heard this, many of you, the only commandment that also has a promise attached to it. Um, none of the other ones do. So here's the whole verse, honor your father and mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. Notice that he doesn't, he does not say this about not murdering, not stealing, what we tend to think of as kind of the super sins, the like really bad sins. He attaches this promise to honoring your mother and father. How are you doing on that, by the way? Just, you don't need to answer out loud, but you're high school students. Remember the time you were in, you're a senior? I was just like, has dad just gotten grumpier over the years? I mean, like, what's the deal? Is he ready for me to be out of the house? Has he just gotten old? Am I pushing the limits too much? But how you doing? Because they're still the authority over you. Honor mom and dad. He says, if they don't, own, if they don't honor their parents, they're going to lose this land. They didn't even have land yet at the time, but he says, the land that I'm going to give you. These people were desperately wanting to be a nation. God was going to make them into a nation. But guess what you need in order to be a nation? You need land. And in order for them to be, it's just the craziest thing. God said, if you're not going to honor your mother and father, I'm going to take your land away. And I don't know, my guess is that God maybe knew once they were successful, once they were wealthy, once they had power, their tendency would be to say, uh, Mom and Dad, you know the whole God thing that you kind of grew up with, and I know you were there at the mountain, and you heard Moses came down, and it was loud, blah, blah, blah. The God stuff and the Ten Commandments, that was great for you, but we're, we're sort of like, we're sort of modern, ancient people now. You, you guys are just ancient people, but um, we've kind of got this figured out. Uh, I, I don't know, but maybe the tendency would be that God thought, the tendency would be not just that they would show disrespect to their parents, but perhaps that at some point they would abandon the values that God has passed down through their parents. And so he said, don't, don't dismiss the way your mom and dad taught you. You guys, as you go off to college, you seniors, don't chuck the faith that your parents raised you in. You go, oh, it's totally bogus. I talked to a professor. He said, my parents are going to shove this down my throat. No, no, your parents actually believe what they say they believe, and they desperately want you to believe it. It's not just something, I mean, they taught you that because they really believe it to the core of their being. So I hope that you believe it too, and someday you pass it down to the next generation. So that one's huge. Um, here's the rest. I need to move on. Here's, here's the ones we know. Uh, commandment number six. Verse 13, you shall not murder. You shall not murder. Notice even, this is the correct translation. I think, I think even the old like King James Bible still actually says you shall not kill. And the proper translation is actually to not murder. There are times the Bible even commands someone to be killed once they've killed other people. Um, there's a big debate about that in, in our society today, capital punishment. If someone's a serial killer or a serial rapist and they're on death row and they're going to receive lethal injection, we have all sorts of disagreements about that. That can be like they need to be put to death. The command is to not murder, that murder is premeditated. Murder involves your anger or your jealousy. It's premeditated. But see, the rest of the commandments basically tell us how to honor the people around us. How to honor the people around us. So you shall not murder. 
means to honor people's bodies, their person, their personhood, their soul. And it also means to watch out for our anger and our jealousy, that it doesn't get the best of us. Ed Noble, every time I talk, I, I hear him speak. He said this at the fall retreat this year. He's always talking about the Imago Dei. What is that, right? The image of God. Genesis 1 and 2, right at the beginning, the beginning of the Bible is you were created in the image of God, in the Imago Dei. They pound that in at their church, that every single person has value. And so to murder or to kill, you you shouldn't murder, oh my goodness. And we all know, that's like, oh, that's the worst thing ever. I haven't murdered anybody. It's the first thing we go to. So that's number six. The next one says, you shall not commit adultery. You shall not commit adultery, verse 14. That means we need to honor marriage. We honor marriage, we watch out for our lustful thoughts. So I'm sure every one of you in here know this because you're high school students, adultery, sex outside of uh, your husband or wife, your spouse. Certainly the Bible also indicates, and this verse alludes to, fornication, which is sex just beyond anybody that's married. I mean, neither partner's married. Fornication. But you shall not commit adultery, you need to honor marriage. The next one, you shall not steal, means we honor other people's possessions. It belongs to them. Sure, you can share your stuff, but you don't take what's not yours. That's one of the ten. The next one says, this is nine, I believe, you shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. Again, who's your neighbor? Anyone around you is your neighbor. How are you doing with that one? I think gossip could be thrown in there. That basically means honoring other people's reputation. But so if you gossip, a lot of times we just think this is the lying verse. You're not supposed to lie. Really, it's addressed toward other people. How are you doing at not giving false testimony against you? You hear something about somebody else at school, one of your friends? What if it's not true? Do you pass that on to your friends anyway? Why do you do that? Nowadays, it's bullying, not just physically. At school with a person, cyberbullying, rampant, okay? Someone can obliterate your reputation by just going on and on and on on Facebook about who you are, what you've done, something you did. They can assassinate your character. And it happens all the time, and it happens to some of you in this room, and certainly in Omaha schools. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. But in other words, what's God saying? He's saying the whole law is about honoring God, and it's about honoring other people, anybody, even people that you think are worthless or don't have value. You can't steal from people. You shouldn't lie about people. You shouldn't take advantage of of people in positions of power. Or if you have the power, you shouldn't take advantage of people that are younger than you. Everybody is on equal footing. Do you realize what God is communicating through these Ten Commandments? He's saying people are invaluable to me. People are so valuable to me. I made them in my image. I know each one of you, he says, inside and out. But all people are so valuable to God, and we should have that same perspective. And so often we treat people like they're garbage. He says their status, everyone's status is elevated because of God's commitment to them. It's reflected in this amazing law and these Ten Commandments. We just don't so often feel this way in our world, and we don't feel this love from others. When I was a freshman, you guys, in high school, this is a small town in Illinois, uh, every, every year, the senior guys had a tradition of grabbing freshman guys, whenever it was an opportunity, and throwing them in the dumpster of the school. And you're like, uh, little giggles, a little bit, like, hey, that's kind of funny. 
yeah, what if that happened to you? Like, wouldn't that, that's where, like, the leftover food went. Um, I don't know if it happened every week, and I think as soon as the administration got wind of it, they tried to, like, um, kind of tear, you know, whatever. But we would always, we would not go near that side of the school where the dumpster was, if we could at all avoid it. Never happened to me. I, had an old, I have one older brother. He's four years older than me, so I wasn't in high school with him. I, I think, I don't know, but he must have talked to the seniors or something. And I, I, I had a lot of friends that it didn't happen to, but I, I knew a lot of friends that it did happen to. Um, can you imagine what that would be like? Like how worthless you would feel to just be, I mean, another student literally throws you in the garbage. If you make you feel like a piece of trash. Literally. But I can't imagine, and that's what we deal with today. Um, I also once almost, senior guys would also make paddles. I don't know if they'd make them in shop class, but they'd drive around town with a paddle in their car, and if they saw a freshman walking, they would like paddle us. And I saw, I witnessed that happen to a friend once. Don't know why it didn't happen to me. Um, You guys, we do crazy like evil stuff to other people. And um, and a lot of times it's got, the more like, the more physical stuff is guys. Girls, maybe you're a little more... um, it's words, it's gossip, it's, it's slandering someone. Um, God, in the Ten Commandments, is saying, you are so important to me. You are so special to me. You are so valuable to me. You may not experience that with the people that you surround yourself with in your house, at home, your parents, or at school, and the, some of the people that you encounter on a day-to-day basis. But God says, I want to protect you. I want to provide for you. I want you to know how loved you are. And so I'm going to create these laws that help you at least feel honored and protected. And then God gets to the last commandment. Here's the last commandment. This is, you guys, this is the unenforceable commandment. This is the commandment that has to do with what's going on inside of you. This is the commandment that you never really see and you don't really know if it's going on in other people um, because it's just not something you see. It's not something you have any idea whether someone else has done or not. Listen to this. It's verse 17. Tenth commandment is this. You shall not covet. You shall not covet. Now, half of you in this room before have heard that. But have you thought about the fact that that is the single commandment on here that, that isn't seen, that can't be measured? I mean, maybe some of the first four. Sure, how do you measure honoring your mom and dad? But you shall not covet. To covet means to strongly desire something. To strongly desire, it's kind of like jealousy. It means to want something so badly that you can't stop thinking about it. And right along with that, most of the time, it means to want something that somebody else has, right? It's jealousy. A lot of times, it's to want something so badly that it hurts your relationship with a friend, with somebody else. So, for example, it means that you can't get along with, this is just, you know, hypothetical, you can't get along with a certain friend anymore because they just got a new car. <laughs> and so because of that, there's just something wrong within us that thinks this. Because they got a new car um, and because we're jealous about that, that person just sort of gets on our nerves. You know what I'm saying? I mean, can you, you, everyone in here can relate to something like this. Or uh, it's the kind of thing where um, your friend wrecks their car and they now either just don't have a car and you're like, ooh, that stinks for you. Or they have to drive their dad's like beat up pickup truck. Or even this, something like, I don't know, your friend's phone breaks. And you're like, oh, the Samsung 4S, oh, whatever, S4, whatever the greatest, like the best one is. Oh, I'm so sorry it broke. Like, I don't even have a smartphone. Or your friend, um, their girlfriend or boyfriend broke up with them. 
there's something within you that when that happens, you like delight. Just there's, secretly inside, you're kind of happy about it. You almost just smile. Anyone? Maybe it's just me. Maybe, but, and I don't need you to raise your hands. We, what is that within us? Like, we are sick, aren't we? I mean, like, are you not? You feel that, though. Something bad happens, and you just, there's something in you that just kind of smiles. Like, oh, that's too bad. And you, like, you're all sympathetic toward them. I'm sorry about your car. I'm sorry about your girlfriend. But inwardly, you're kind of like, ah, I saw it coming, and you're a fool. You didn't know. I don't know. But seriously, you're like, what's wrong with us? Um, that's because we're coveting. I mean, what is that? That's us coveting. That's us being jealous of the fact that they had a boyfriend or a girlfriend, or that they had a nice car or a nice phone or whatever. Here's the rest, verse 17. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his manservant or his maidservant. His, this really applies to us today, his ox or his donkey. Have you ever coveted your friend's, your friend's ox? Or anything that belongs to your neighbor. I'm kind of glad that God includes that. So obviously this is written to a civilization hundreds of years earlier. Um, what would that coveting an ox would maybe be like coveting your neighbor's like tricked out SUV or their parents like sweet Escalade or your neighbor's donkey is some like sweet sports car that they have or something. I don't know. But I love the fact, so God also throws in there, or do not covet anything that belongs to your neighbor, which is kind of all inclusive there, isn't it? Don't compare yourself to others. When you compare yourself to others, you lose. You just do. You don't know what's going on inside of them. Sure, they might have a great phone or a great, they look all great on the outside. You don't know what's going on inside of them. So why do we compare? In this commandment, God says, look, you are not just accountable to me, though, for how you behave. You are accountable to me for the way you think, for the inside kind of stuff. This gets, this gets to the motives, you guys. We talked about this a lot last year. But what do your motives look like? You know, when Jesus came on the scene many years later, he says this in Matthew 5, 28. He basically says, look, it's not just don't commit adultery. It's not just simply don't have sex with someone you're not married to. He says, if you've even lusted after a woman or a man in your heart, it's as if you've committed adultery. You're still guilty of breaking the law. You're still, he takes a lot of these and just amps them up. Oh, you've heard it read that you should not murder? But I tell you this, that anyone who's angry with his brother will be in danger of the fires of hell. Wow, and you go, what? It's not just our behavior. We're accountable for the way we think. And so when you're sitting around thinking inappropriate thoughts about someone, it's not just innocent daydreaming you're coveting. we got to take this stuff seriously. So God's desire in the, in the commandments is not simply to make his people good, but to make us free. You guys, um, I, we brought up before this illustration of a few weeks back um, about how the law was kind of like a fence. Do you remember this? I said the law is kind of like a fence. And I said, uh, if you get a dog, you put the dog in your backyard, you remember this three weeks ago, four weeks ago? Um, is it your dog because it's in your fence? No because the dog could get out of your fence, still your dog. The dog became your dog when you purchased, you remember this? But you put it in the fence, why? To protect, to protect the dog. So often we feel like um, God wants us to live like a boring, lifeless, here's a bunch of rules so that you can't have any fun. And I want you to see that all this stuff, you guys, helps you, helps you be free. 
Um, like I said, I grew up in a small town in Illinois, and one of my best friends was a dairy farmer. Um, so his dad, Jerry, and my friend's uncle, they, they, did, they had this dairy farm together. And um, I was close to the whole family, but Jerry was also my fourth grade Sunday school teacher. And uh, he used this fence illustration at a certain point. And I remember, I don't know much about fences. I imagine most of you don't either. But Jerry kind of taught me something about a fence when it comes to cows. So they have all these dairy cows, and they're all out in the pasture wandering. Um, but fences, he said, they're so incredibly important to keep cows safe and to keep them well fed. Because he said, cows get out. They could get hit by a car. That would stink. They could actually get stolen. And you're like, who steals a cow? People steal a cow, okay? They're worth lots of money. I don't know how you get the cow. You get a trailer. But people get their cattle mixed up all the time, I'm sure. Cow gets out, the cow could get attacked by a coyote or some other animal. Um, what's the point of the fence? The fence is not designed to like restrict the cow. Hey, you can't have any fun. There's a great world out there. Stinks to be you. You're in a fence. It keeps, no. What's the, the whole point of it, the whole point of the Ten Commandments of this law is to allow us to live our life without being endangered, being free. God wants us to be free. But there's boundaries. I mean, we know that. That's why there's laws in our land. So we got to get out of our heads this idea that God is oppressive and wants us to have a dull, boring life that involves nothing but like sitting and reading our Bibles. That's not true. This stuff is to protect us and to keep us free. And the whole, even the way when Jesus came along, the whole way of life that Jesus presents in the New Testament goes right along with this. So when you stand back, you guys, and look at this whole thing as we wrap up this series, these whole ten laws, incredibly famous in the whole Bible, right? Everyone knows about the Ten Commandments. It is so, so clear that the Ten Commandments are not a behavioral code for how we win acceptance with God, with how we win approval through God. That God gives us to that, we said this the very first week, once we have a relationship with Him. He wants what's best for us, and He gives us these laws to protect us. And he gives them to people who are already accepted by him. Um, He wanted the Israelites to be a nation that reflected his glory. He wanted them to understand that to go back, to escape the law was to go back into captivity. Only not physically like in Egypt, but captivity to sin, to be enslaved to sin. So here's the thing, you guys, as I wrap this up, God desires our obedience. He does. Do not ever come to Oasis. I hope you don't hear me say like, oh, you can just go on sinning because there's this grace thing. And as Paul said, oh, should we just go on sinning so that grace may increase? Oh, there's all this grace. So it doesn't really matter how you live. It's all just God wants our obedience. He wants us to obey, but not in order to please some impersonal God, but as a response to who he is and all that he's done for us. Because so many years after this, you guys, God loves us so much that he sends his one and only son, Jesus, to die for us on the cross. That is who God is in his nature. He himself becomes a man, comes to this earth to take our place, to take the punishment our sins deserves. And so with every tortured breath, with every public humiliating uh, sigh and suffer and cry, and finally his last breath, he dies. And Jesus is thinking about us and the freedom and the peace that he longs for his creation and that he longs for you. And sadly, every single day, you guys, and I do this too, we turn to idols. 
primarily our own reputation. That is my idol number one. I go, God, I'm taking the reins back. I want to do life my way. And God says, don't. I'm right here, and I want what's best for you. And Jesus took care of everything, and it's just a life waiting for you. Don't escape my fence. You're going to get hurt, or you're going to get burned, and too often we just go, eh. But the grass looks greener over there. So as we head to small groups tonight, I want you to think about how we follow the Ten Commandments because we're in awe of the God who gave them. We don't follow the Ten Commandments just because we're supposed to or just because it's the right thing to do, although it is. We follow them because of the kind of sacrifice, because of the kind of love that God first showed to us. So as we go to groups tonight, would you think about that? Would you think about and, and have an awe for the kind of God that God is. That he wouldn't leave us to our sin, to our rebellion, to our waywardness. But he'd make a way. He'd kind of build a fence. And ultimately that fence is, is made known in Jesus. So let's pray. God, we need this word tonight. And God, we know that there are a whole lot of rules and laws in the Bible But God, help us see that primarily, God, you see every single person as being so valuable to you. And God, I pray that we as a group of Christians would reflect how we treat other people. We would reflect that value, God, that we would be little Christs walking around showing tremendous, giving tremendous value to other people. God, to people that are hard to love. God, to people that annoy us or get on our nerves. God, as Christians, there's something different about us. And God, not even all of us in here are Christians, but God, for those of us who are, God, may we be melted by a God who values us and says he wants us to be free. God, I want to be free. God, I hate my sin. Every time I fall fall into it, God, I think it's going to be awesome, and I, I always hate it. And I always come crawling back to you and saying, God, why did I do that? Why did I say that? Why did I think that? So God, set us free, set us free, and thank you for the cross, thank you for Jesus, and God, we need a reminder of him daily. So God, may we dwell on you as we go to groups tonight, God, change us from the inside out, we pray in Jesus' name, amen.